0: From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Kahn with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss.
1: Focus. I would encourage everybody to really look at what they're doing, who they're doing it for, and focus.
0: Today on episode 49 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Jurgen Strauss. With a PhD in chemistry, Jurgen had a very successful global corporate career. When his employment ended, he found a way to combine his corporate expertise with his developing small business network to create a unique offering that was badly needed by other coaches and consultants. We also discuss how to apply the same principles to generate new offerings that are likely to find a receptive market in the midst of our current disruption. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Jürgen Strauss. Jürgen is the owner and chief innovator at InnovaBiz. They partner with innovative, exceptional business coaches and consultants to enable them to increase visibility build professional credibility, and reaching their target ideal audience with their message. The result is more targeted leads and more business. Juergen, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. It's a real privilege
1: to be here with you.
0: Juergen, when did you start InnovaBiz?
1: It was 2007, David. And what led you to start it? Well, I'd had a, a corporate career of about 27 years, and 23 years in one company doing a whole range of different things. And the last couple of years, um, unlike the rest of my corporate career where I really enjoyed the work and was motivated and um, keen to get out of bed every morning and get to work, the last couple of years, things changed. The environment changed. The corporate culture seemed to change. And it took me two years to realize that it was a little bit at odds with my own value system and beliefs. And and in that time, there are a lot of reorganizations. And I was given an offer that really wasn't very attractive. I mean, it was kind of like almost the um, face-saving way to tell me that I was no longer needed. And so I took a redundancy package and then decided it was time to try something on my own. I'd always wanted to do that, but never really had the courage to to go ahead and do it. At that point in my life, my children were just finishing university. The younger one was just finishing university. So I was in a financial situation where I had less obligations and thought I could take that risk and and decided to go ahead and try. Mm. And what was the first thing that you did? I had an international network because my role over that 23 years was an international one, traveling a lot of the time. I had lots of contacts all around the world, but I have very little visibility in my own local community. And so the first thing I did was really start to build those networks in my local community because that was where the business was going to get off the ground. And where are you located? It's in a little town called Geelong, which is about an hour southwest of Melbourne in Australia.
0: And how much did you know about? Starting a small
1: business, <laughs> not very much it was had lots of knowledge in different areas i thought i'll i 'm um, an expert at systems and structure and processes, and also had lots of experience in science and leading teams and in marketing, which was Where I spent the last part of my career, marketing and business management. So I thought I'll pull all that together and provide that as a service to small business. What I didn't understand was how small business needed to market themselves. And I had to learn that very quickly. And and of course, then all the other aspects of business, uh, I had to transition very quickly from a corporate mindset into a small business mindset. And I didn't realize how different that actually was.
0: Yeah. What What were some of the things that you noticed were really different?
1: One of the things was the, I mean, I was always very focused on building relationships with people in my corporate career, but it was the relationships there in translating into small business. It was actually a very different navigation through the web of politics, if you like. I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm sick of politics in the big business, so I want to get out of that. And in fact, in the small business arena there there's still some politics it's not it's less within the companies it's more between the networks and knowing who to speak to to get introduced to other people and and that was one of the big difference I noticed and particularly when I didn't have that network in the local community um, and I had to build that up. One of the other things was um, I had to overcome my Reluctance to kind of put myself out there and um demonstrate what I knew and showcase my expertise in a way that in the corporate world I did, but it was because of the work you did, there was some level of visibility simply by doing a good job whereas in in the small business world um, nobody sees that you're doing a good job unless you actually put yourself out there and And um, communicate with people in a way that demonstrates that. So, you know, in some ways, to me, at the beginning, that felt like boasting and big noting myself, and I had to learn to overcome that limiting belief.
0: Jurgen, do you think that in the corporate world, particularly professionals with a lot of expertise, are guided to be humble about their their own accomplishments and not toot their own horn the way you really have to do if you're trying to get a small business consulting practice off the ground?
1: In some ways, yes, in some ways. I think I always thought that the people that were in the corporate world tooting their own horns a lot, often there was not a lot of substance behind that. And sometimes they'd succeed in that and then, you know, later on they'd be discovered. Those people that really did a good job and really built good relationships they kind of, they were visible, but they didn't really, to me, it didn't seem like they were big noting themselves. Yeah. So in in some ways, yes, the corporate environment is quite different. The other thing I think in the corporate environment, in a good company, there's there's a mentoring system in place. And even for people that are looking for mentors and, and are actively seeking to be mentored by somebody, it's a lot easier. Whereas in the small business world, it took me a long time to realize that, hey, I I need to find some mentors and and obviously they're going to be outside my little company um, who can give me some external input, give me some advice and maybe introduce me to other people who have some influence and have some knowledge outside of my own areas.
0: Mm. And how did you find those mentors, especially the ones who actually could deliver the kind of results
1: that you wanted? Initially, it was through um, a business networking organization. I joined Business Networking International, the local chapter, to start to build those connections that I talked about earlier and identified some people there who were quite successful, who I got on well with, who I admired. And so they became mentors initially. Then I, through that network, actually, I met my business coach and I've been in a relationship with her for probably... 12 years now, I'd I'd say. And um, she's been a fabulous influence on me and helped me a lot and introduced me to other people who've been mentors to me as well. So that kind of was a big, big change for me.
0: Can we go back to the the tooting your own horn theme for a second? Because (laughs) one of the things I've noticed in the, I think there is a big difference between what happens in the corporate world when it comes to talking about yourself versus what happens in the small business world. I do think that in the small business world, you're right. You have to actually talk about yourself. Otherwise, nobody's going to know. But I also noticed that on the flip side, there are some people that are really good at marketing themselves that don't have a lot of substance behind them. Mm. And I'm wondering if you've observed some of the same things and what your take is on that.
1: Yeah, that, that, you're definitely right. I, I guess there are people that have a gift of promoting themselves, and sometimes there isn't a lot of substance behind that. It's one of those things. I guess you need to trust your own instincts in that regard. Sometimes you hear people talk a lot about themselves, and, and they're kind of focused inward. They're focused on themselves, and it makes me wonder sometimes are they – Um, coming from a place of insecurity, and do they need to talk about themselves in that way because they're not secure about what they know or they're not secure about something else, Um, whereas those people that come from a place of service, but do it in a way that here's something that I know and I want to share with you, and by doing that, they're giving, but at the same time, they're also demonstrating their expertise in that area because they're giving something that's of value to the audience they're talking to. So I think that's that's really the key. And for me, when I get that sense that people are coming from that service mentality and mindset and giving, and then you can assess, you know, is this of value to me? It might, might be of value to me. It might not be of value to me, but it might be of value to a different audience. And then that's where I think the balance is. People can talk about their expertise, but they talk about it in the context of service to others.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting how your own instinct, when you're listening to them, is really critical. Mm, That's right. So, Juergen, how long into this process did you feel like you were, it took you to get InnovaBiz to kind of take shape and become something that was working? well and you felt had some sustainability?
1: I guess I was convinced right from the outset that there was sustainability in what I was doing. What happened early on though was the global financial crisis. And I started out initially with, as I said, processes and marketing and systems and then very quickly realized that marketing was one of the first things that got cut in small business when times were tough. And whilst I said that's actually the wrong way to go about it. I found it very difficult to convince the people that I spoke to at the time. What happened was most people would say, and this was 2007, 2008, when a lot of small businesses didn't have websites. So most people would say to me, can you do a website? Can you help me with that? That, Because I'm prepared to spend some money on that right now. And I ultimately decided the third time I heard that, that... I should actually start doing some websites. And I had run a, I had run a project doing a big corporate website way back in 90, 1997, which was even before Google was, was um, a public company. And I learned all about the strategies behind running a website. Of course, I had IT people. I had uh, graphic designers. I had a whole team around me with specific expertise that could do all those parts of it. When I then said to the first business, when I decided, okay, I'll do a website, I had to learn all that. And that that was a bit of a big learning curve initially. And of course, it was a struggle for the first couple of customers to deliver something really quickly that met my standards and met their expectations. But I succeeded in doing that. And once I then systemized that process, that's probably when I started to think, okay, this is going to work. And then, of course, I, I pivoted that and said, well, the website's just a tool for marketing, so let's, let's look at the marketing system now. And so it was kind of like a full circle, but I took a little bit of a different journey than what I expected.
0: Right, which is what often happens. Mm. So now let's fast forward to today. You've been in business now for, I guess, about 13 years. Mm. And um, who's your ideal client?
1: My ideal client are business coaches and consultants that serve the technical and manufacturing industry and the healthcare industry. So the technical and manufacturing is where my background is. I think the business coaches and consultants, are they're in a space where I am as well. So often um, very small business, sometimes solo entrepreneurs, sometimes a, a small team. Um, so I understand their issues around marketing as well, because I have those too. And their um, industry is is one that I've grown up in in my corporate career. So that, that's my ideal client and and I get on really well with them and I have a bunch of, of clients that fit into that category and really enjoy working with them.
0: And what are some of their biggest challenges when it comes to marketing?
1: Their biggest challenges probably are around being visible and and... Doing what we talked about earlier, um, you know, giving information in a way that demonstrates their expertise without big noting themselves. It's it really comes back to that, but also giving that information in a way that then establishes a relationship with the people who they might be able to serve and taking that relationship forward through a customer journey that that leads those people to become lifelong customers.
0: Mm. so what's an example of coach or consultant
1: like this a specific person you mean
0: uh yeah you know not necessarily naming the person but but um an example of the kind of person and what they go through and how this how your system can help them
1: yeah okay so i have a an ideal client avatar that i've developed and and we go through this exercise in a slightly different way this is Coach Sam, I call her, and she's got a business that she's got about five people working for her, and then she probably has another five to ten people who are in her inner circle that are she regards as ideal partners. So they're not employed by her, but whenever she needs something, so it might be a graphic designer, it might be a website person, it might be a a marketer. So it might that would be me, hopefully. It uh, she. One of her biggest challenges is getting people to. So she does a lot of workshops, she um, does a lot of in-person training, and a lot of speaking. One of her biggest challenges, and of course now some of that's dried up because of the social isolation we find ourselves in. But one, even when before that, one of the biggest challenges was the visibility to get people into her rooms, into her training rooms, into her speaking rooms, and marketing those offers in a way that people come in. So it's often they're big ticket items. So her struggle sometimes will be how to build a customer journey that starts off with maybe a free resource, then a very small investment that starts a a different relationship because now that person is a client and it's very easy for them to make that small investment from there going forward to making a bigger investment because they start to see the value and start to get a return on that value. So they're pro- that's probably one of the biggest challenges. The other challenge I think that my ideal client has is um, leveraging the online space in general, whether it be to market or to actually now in the, in the current environment to actually pivot the business so that there's a lot more that they're doing online by way of um, generating um, business and delivering business services or training or whatever it might be online.
0: But let's talk actually a little bit about that pivot, because I think um, a lot of people are now struggling, especially if their consulting work or executive coaching work had been primarily in person. And I yeah. I know people like this, that their, their work comes from Paid speaking before corporate audiences, so internal gatherings that companies may have or at conferences or consulting with teams where they're used to doing this live and being they're traveling all over the world to give these kinds of workshops and speeches. What are some things they could do now to pivot quickly so they don't lose too much income?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, and I, I certainly have some clients like that who are in that very situation right now. One of the things that I've encouraged them to do is look at how can they run webinars for clients right now. Webinars is is a really big one that that um, is becoming quite popular because their clients are also seeing the value in being able to still interact with them, being able to still participate in some sort of event with them um, because the clients, their clients are also in isolation as well. So they, they realize that they don't have access to that person who in the past had been coming to speak to them in person. The other thing I encourage people to do very much, and, and this is one where mindset plays a big role, and I know I've had problems with this in the past, is getting on video and doing video presentations as kind of a give back to a bigger audience and then taking those videos as lead magnets or as a beginning of of a customer journey. And by doing that, of course, you get experience in talking to a camera, whereas in the past you might have been in front of um, a thousand people on a stage. So it's it's quite a different dynamic, but getting to become good at presenting to a camera Gives you the opportunity to pivot and replace that in person uh, experience and also opens up some opportunities because the in person experience you know they might travel to one location and and so they have that one location, but now all of a sudden the the reach is worldwide anybody who has access to the internet
0: yeah, absolutely. I think what's going to come out of this is um a number of different kinds of innovations. I've started to Mm. see some of these already, and people that are taking the time to figure out how they can pivot actually may have some great opportunities that will emerge as a result.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's some fabulous things going on with virtual events, people partnering up to run virtual events, which is actually a lot easier to do online. Than it is in real life. So, if you imagine an event with, say, 10 expert speakers in 10 different areas, to pull that together as a live event is quite a big undertaking and you need a fair lead time. Whereas to do it online, particularly now where um, most, people cal- most people's calendars are kind of not as full as they might have been in the past, is something that can be done in a fairly short space of time. And then pulling together that event and making that available to those 10 audiences so you're not limited to your own audience you've got 10 audiences now and then um, those 10 experts can present their topics on that virtual event and it can be recorded and be available later on as well
0: yeah absolutely there, there's yeah there's some some great things that are going on so you're going if somebody wants to learn more about any, anything that we've discussed go deeper or access any resources that you have, where's the best place to do this?
1: The best place is at my website, which is innovabiz.com.au. That's I-N-N-O-V-A-B-I-Z is the U.S. term for it. Z if you're in the, outside the U.S. in English-speaking language, uh, innovabiz.com.au. And I do have free resource there, which is a a little mini class on marketing mastery. And it focuses primarily on the first step of our marketing journey, which is the ideal client and understanding your why. Uh, That's at innovabiz.co forward slash marketing master. And I'm always happy to have a chat to people. So if you jump on my LinkedIn profile, there's a lot more information there.
0: Sounds great. Well, Jürgen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Going Solo and share a little bit about your own journey and some insights that you use to help your ideal client now. My guest today has been the chief innovator of InnovaBiz, Jürgen Strauss. Thank you again, Jürgen, for joining
1: us. Thanks, David. It was a privilege to speak to you.
0: When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to focus to generate more business and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me via our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.